Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. Health systems in Brazil are collapsing. Hospitals are running out of beds and oxygen as COVID cases in that country spike. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro has long downplayed the severity of COVID. He has discouraged mask wearing and lockdowns and promoted unscientific cures. Meanwhile, a variant strain of the virus, which is dominant in Brazil, is particularly infectious. All this has led to soaring death rates in a health catastrophe in South America's largest country. It is in this context that some stunning legal developments have shaken the Brazilian political scene. In early March, a Brazilian court annulled the criminal conviction of former President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, known as Lula. He was a popular left-wing president of Brazil between 2003 and 2011, who was brought down as part of a massive corruption scandal known as Operation Car Wash. Subsequent revelations suggest that the prosecutors and judges in this case were not acting above board. Now, with Lula back on the campaign trail, Brazil is poised for a very intense political showdown between Jair Bolsonaro, who often exhibits the traits of a right-wing demagogue, and the left-wing populist Lula. Elections are in 2022. On the line to help me understand the current situation in Brazil is Leticia Casado, a journalist and stringer for the New York Times who is based in Brasilia. We kick off discussing how and why the COVID crisis became so acute across the country before discussing the current political intrigue. And as Leticia Casado explains, there is a direct link between the COVID crisis and this emerging political competition between Lula and Bolsonaro. And before we start this episode, I do want to encourage you to reach out to me if you have suggestions of topics I should cover or people I should interview, or if there's anything else on your mind. I, I know I say this often before episodes, but I really do appreciate hearing from you. Uh, the people who congregate around this podcast tend to be very interesting and have keen insights in international affairs, and I just love love learning from you. So thank you. All right, now here is my conversation with Leticia Casado, a journalist and stringer for the New York Times in Brazil. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. 
everything I've read about Brazil right now makes it seem like the health systems in many parts of the country are on the brink of catastrophe. Yes, that's true. Uh, the, the public health system and the, the private health system also, all the health system here are collapsing in every part of the country. Uh, for you to have an idea, at this moment, we have like 19 of the 26 states in Brazil with more than 8% of ICU beds occupied. We have people waiting uh, inside the hospitals uh, to have help and to have some kind of support. We have people waiting for oxygen and we have people dying in line for beds in hospitals all over the country. The situation in Manaus got international attention a few weeks ago for the fact that, you know, they just ran out of oxygen and that seemed to be a harbinger for things to come uh, for the rest of the country. But can you explain sort of what happened in Manaus? Well, uh, Manaus is uh, a big city in the Amazon rainforest and it was the first to collapse last year like in March or April 2020, there were no, no hospitals for people to get help. And uh, like 10 months later, in January this year, it collapsed again. It, it was totally unbelievable, but uh, the seat ran over oxygen. There was no oxygen in the hospitals. And the press showed that the Minister of Health was informed that the hospitals were running out of oxygen weeks before it happened. And there was no emergency plan. So it was really terrible. And what specialists have been saying since January is that if the country doesn't make a national plan, it's, it may happen in, in other cities of the country. And we may have Brazil collapsing at the same time in different spots. Mm. But we are now in March. And since January, there is no national plan. Actually, it never happened in Brazil. So what cities are being hit hardest right now? Or, or is it just widespread throughout the country? You said you know, that Manaus was sort of the first city in which the hospitals just collapsed and ran out of oxygen. Where else in Brazil is being hit so hard right now? Uh, this oxygen situation hasn't been reported in other cities, but we have, I think, almost the whole country, of almost all the capitals, with ICU bad problems. And we have a hard situation in the south. For example, in Rio Grande do Sul, uh, it's close to, to Uruguay. But we also have problems in the Amazon rainforest. I live in Brasilia, in the center, in the middle of the country. And there is no ICU bed here. And in Sao Paulo, the most... Uh, the richest state in the country. They also have uh, an hospital issue now, and it's in the most prepared place with more beds and more doctors. There's no assistance in the whole country. Uh, Brazil is collapsing, really. 
To what extent do people blame the collapsing health system in Brazil right now on that special variant of the virus that is prevalent in Brazil, as opposed to, say, the decisions made by uh, politicians in Brazil and how they approach the disease. Like where are people attributing blame right now for this seemingly out of control situation? Well, that's a very interesting question because I don't know, it's hard to explain what's going on here because uh, people are worried and are seeing friends and families going to the hospitals or trying to get a, a, a place in hospital. But still, there is no movement to blame someone, No, not a national movement. Like yesterday, people went to the streets in some capitals, including here in Brasilia, in a demonstration in favor of the President Bolsonaro. And it happened in Rio, it happened in Sao Paulo. But uh, I think there is no conscious in, a big, in the big picture here in Brazil. Because uh, there are a lot of thousands, maybe millions of people who are living their own lives here. They are going to work, they are not wearing masks, they, they are going to parties, big parties drinking and dancing. Uh, yesterday, a football player, football soccer, was arrested because he was in a casino, which is illegal here, and he was in a party in a casino. So, in Sao Paulo. So, there is no conscience of the people here. Uh, we saw people gathering on Christmas, in New Year's Eve, we saw the beaches were full during carnival and parties were huge with DJs and uh, groups. So there is no, no, there are people who blame the, the governor or the mayor uh, because they are promoting, trying to do some kind of lockdown. But they say they want to go to work. They are not worrying, worried about lives, you know. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's totally weird. It doesn't seem that dissimilar to the situation here in the United States, like, you know, a few months ago, where, you know, Bolsonaro and Trump have been compared to each other, I think for good reason, particularly in how they approached the coronavirus early on, sort of dismissing it, downplaying it, promoting uh, cures and treatments that did not have scientific validity. And I I guess I'm wondering to what extent, and it sounds like not a lot, people are blaming Bolsonaro directly for the situation across the country. Uh, Since the beginning of the pandemic, we hadn't had a national leadership against the virus. Bolsonaro has promoted crowds. He never used masks. He always said that people shouldn't stay at home, that people should go to work, that people should live their own lives. And uh, he fought governors and he fought mayors who were trying to tell people to stay home. Bolsonaro has always said that uh, the economy should come first 
and he doesn't believe in vaccines. He is part of the anti-vax for Brazil. So we, we, don't, we didn't negotiate with Pfizer for Moderna, 7 million doses last year, but Bolsonaro refused. So he has, uh, has behaving like this since the beginning. And uh, a lot of people say, okay, if the president says it's fine to go out and to not wear masks, why should I? Like, if you go to the presidential palace today, you're going to see that uh, employees there, they don't wear masks. So uh, he has behaving like this since ever. And uh, he has defending chloroquine. Now the miraculous NASA spray from Israel. And we are collapsing. So in this context, that a Brazilian court handed down a ruling uh, potentially allowing the former president, Lula, to once again run for office. He had been convicted in some criminal corruption scheme. Um, Can you just briefly remind listeners uh, who is Lula and why was he in under sort of criminal investigation for so long? Lula uh, was president during eight years and uh, he was a very popular president. But his successor, Dilma Rousseff, she was not that that popular and she was impeached in, during her second term. This story begins in 2014 uh, during in the middle of a huge corruption scandal. In 2014, a group of prosecutors and a judge in the south, south of the country started investigating Petrobras. It's a giant Brazilian state-controlled oil company. And this scandal is known as Lava Jato, or car wash. It became huge and turned out to be the most important thing in Brazil. So uh, the prosecutors found connections between contractors, public officials, and politicians. And they suspected that Lula received bribes in this scheme. The scandal was so huge that people went to the streets in 2016 to protest against corruption and President, President Dilma, who was Lula's successor, successor, she was impeached, not because of the investigations, but amid all of the political situation here. In 2018, Lula was arrested after being convicted by that judge, Sergio Moro. He became very famous. And then another court said, okay, this conviction, should, uh, this conviction proceeds. Lula is convicted. So to sum up, they said that Lula uh, received an apartment as a gift from a contractor. Lula always denied, and there were other accusations against him, but those convictions made uh, Lula stay away from the, from the election in 2018. He couldn't run against Bolsonaro, and Lula was the strongest political rival 
of Bolsonaro. And Bolsonaro won and started governing in 2019. When Bolsonaro won, he invited the judge, Sergio Moro, to be the Minister of Justice. There was another factor in, factor in 2019. Uh, the Intercept obtained a series of messages between the judge and the prosecutors in Lula's case. And they published stories with information indicating that prosecutors and the judge had political motivations to go after Lula. And Sergio Moro, the judge, has made several orientations to the prosecutors. And it cannot happen under the Brazilian law. And because the accusation was that Moro, who was the judge overseeing the case against Lula, was colluding with prosecutors against Lula. And subsequently, Moro became the top justice minister under the Bolsonaro uh, government. So it's not a stretch to think, if you are a Lula supporter, that they were out to get him from the start. That's what the what Lula's attorneys attorneys are saying. They are saying, like, look at the facts. We had suspicions earlier that we suspected earlier that uh, Moro was working with the prosecutors. But now with the messages, we can see that they were talking a lot, that they were planning things together. So there is another process waiting for waiting to be judged at the Supreme Court that is related to this behavior of Sergio Moro and the prosecutors. Mm -hmm. And Moro became minister of Bolsonaro, and uh, less than a year and a half later, he fought with Bolsonaro and left the the government. So when, when he left the government, he said that Bolsonaro was trying to protect his sons because one of Bolsonaro's sons is investigated by corruption. So next year, during the elections, uh, we have a very different situation that we had in 2018. Because in 2018, Bolsonaro was running against the workers' part after Lava Jato scandal, after Dilma's impeachment, after Lula's prison. And next year, he'll have to defend his own government. And what's going on in Brazil right now? Uh, the country is collapsing because of the COVID. We have high employment, unemployment rate and inflation. We had the Amazon rainforest crisis in 2019. His son is being investigated for corruption and money, money laundering. And uh, in this context... We can say that there are real chances that Lula beats Bolsonaro next year. Bolsonaro wants to be reelected, and Lula wants to run against him. And Lula is still very popular in Brazil. And he gave like a big speech, didn't he, recently? Sounded, at least the way I read about it, like almost a a sort of mini political rally or at least a preview of what uh, his political messaging might look like in a race against Bolsonaro? Yes, uh, his, his speech lasts like for an hour and a half. 
and they, he spoke a lot. He appeared in public in a controlled room for the speech, but he was wearing mask, a mask. And he asked the doctor who was there if he could take the mask off because he was uh, two meters far from anybody, everybody else. The doctor said, yes, you can take, out, take your mask off. So and uh, he, he took it off and started speaking a lot about the process and about Bolsonaro. And he said some, some things that I don't believe uh, the president when he, say some, he says things like, don't get vaccine, don't get vaccinated. So Lula made a position on that day during that speech. What happened hours later? Bolsonaro, for the first time during the pandemic, Bolsonaro and all his ministers appeared in public wearing masks. It was the first time in a year. So, yes, Bolsonaro felt what was going, what's going on. He's feeling what's going on. He knows that Lula is a strong rival for him. And we can say that Bolsonaro made an important change. It was the first time that we saw him and all the ministers wearing masks and keeping distance from each other in the presidential palace during a ceremony there. So that makes you wonder if that potential challenge from Lula, a popular, uh, you know, popular figure, is forcing Bolsonaro to be a little more responsible about the pandemic and whether or not that might lead to any sort of public health measures that might slow the spread and the potential collapse of the health system. Yes, I think he's worried now because now he has, since at this moment, he has an an opponent, a strong opponent. And uh, like five days later of this speech, Bolsonaro started discussing the change of his Minister of Health. Yesterday, he started interviewing a doctor uh, and he started talking about changing the Minister of Health. Uh, he lost two ministers in the beginning of the pandemic because both of them said, I'm not staying as a minister because you defend chloroquine and I'm not, not going to do that because you're promoting crowds and you're saying that people shouldn't wear masks. And I, as a doctor, believe that your position is wrong. So now we have our third minister of health, who is a general, a military, not a doctor. And he's about to lose his job. And we, when we analyze what happened during the past, over the past few days, we believe that it's all because Lula is starting to make movements. Mm. Well, uh, we'll see. The, the elections are in 2022. What month are the elections scheduled for? October. So we have a year and we a half. A year and a half. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I'll be following your reporting from now until then. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. 
All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to uh, Leticia. That was very helpful. And I also want to plug an article that had her byline on it that was published in the Times just like an hour before we spoke. That was a fascinating examination of how Brazil has sought COVID vaccines from China, just as the Brazilian government of Jair Bolsonaro, which was tenaciously anti-China, has suddenly opened up its 5G auction to Huawei. A really fascinating article that I will link to in the show notes of this episode. Thank you. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.